0: During our fund drives, help share the good word about community radio. Interested folks can go online to kkfi.org volunteer to apply. If you can't give your money, you can always give your voice.
1: This is Maria Vasquez boyd and you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. on ArtSpeak Radio, 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today from 9 to 10 every Wednesday. Uh, Stick around. We've got some great guests. We've got the whole hour to spend with you. Cesar Lopez is here, Kiki Serna, and we're all wishing you a happy Valentine's Day. We'll be right back. It's Art speak Radio and we're happy to be here live from the station at 39th and Main and you know uh, everyone else can go a little bit further north for the Royals. Eh, no the Chiefs Parade and uh, we're happy to be here because we have Cesar Lopez and Kiki Cerna and they're two very exciting artists who create wonderful work for our eyes and our heart because it's it's just so tactile and beautiful that they want to share their work with us. We're actually going to talk about Kiki's work at United Colors and they're excited to present a solo exhibition by Kiki Serna. Um, you know, she says when you migrate, you leave yourself behind. A copy of yourself, a phantasma is left in your homeland. I believe that part of the immigrant experience is recovering fractured pieces of yourself. Not only are we retrieving, but we're also reclaiming, mending, and patching together pieces of our former and future selves. The trauma and pain that is assembled and attached to us during migration splits us into many pieces. We're left to search, find, and gather fragments of ourselves for the rest of our lives. This is the focus of my studio practice. Welcome, my friend Kiki.
2: Hello, <laughs> thank you for having us.
1: <laughs> and of course, Cesar, who is curating the show, right? That's correct. And again, that's at the United Colors Gallery, that's six one one North Sixth Street, Kansas City, Kansas. It's opened. Uh, it opened this earlier this month, and it runs through the end of March thirty first. Kiki, um, I, I, you, you handed me this postcard, and I'm immediately, I'm, I'm taking by the images that are sort of missing in this background set in Mexico. Can you talk a bit about your work and sort of the, the meaning behind it?
2: Yeah. So I, I would like to start off by just saying my, my work is very much fo- uh, focused on the archival facets of the immigrant experience. Um, being Latinx, I think something that is relatable is our families teach us to keep everything to store, to save, to to recycle, and so part of my process in my studio is to look about look at these archival components, you know, family letters, um, family photos, videos, um, even messages on WhatsApp, uh, and kind of looking at them to piece together the narrative of, of myself, the narrative of my family, and our immigrant story. And so this show specifically, Fantasmas, um, originated uh, with this idea I've been working with recently. I've been focusing a lot on on the facet of the immigrant experience um, and kind of finding ways to talk about it. I think specifically with you know, uh, narratives that may hold pieces of trauma or even pain. Uh, it can be hard to talk about those things and so Mm. I think that we often find ourselves using metaphors to comfortably even begin to have a conversation around those topics and so the specific metaphor that I've been working with is the idea of the ghost and and the ghost explaining um, and kind of just visualizing what that experience could be like and you think about the traditional ghost story, right? You you think about even in like scary movies. um, And I am a big fan of horror movies as well. So I think part of that influence comes from those types of media. But looking at the ghost story as something that is kind of haunting you, uh, it's there and and especially if you think of like the haunted house, like it'll be around you, you know, it's there, you can feel it coming sometimes. And then there's kind of like the story of like trying to recover what that thing is, what that fantasma is. You're getting to know it, spending time with it. You're even doing research into it. And so I think for me that when I was thinking a lot about that, it paralleled and it mirrored a lot of um, incidents in me trying to recover that past or or those specific memories from that experience. So um, I think... At the same time, I was looking at the origins of the the, the word of ghost itself, specifically in Spanish. Um, you look at the origins and you know, outside of just like the idea of it being a ghost, it, it's very different. So in the United States, it kind of has this connotation of something that's haunting you and something scary, something to kind of have fear in. In the Spanish um, context, it actually means you know similarly but it has the idea of appearing or manifesting itself but at the same time it has the specific meaning of shining to shine to shine bright to appear, to glitter and so I feel like for me I can kind of look at that as something positive When the within the immigrant experience there's a lot of pain of course there's trauma there's there's things that you leave behind people that you leave behind but at the same time there's a lot of positive moments in, in that interaction there's a lot of hope there's a lot of um, a lot of value and also existing as a ghost in this country at the same time trying to solidify yourself and then coming to the realization that, you know, you are a whole person and you look at these interactions in your everyday life. And so for me, that word has kind of just stuck around and I've kind of visually tried to work through it. Um, and I'll use a lot of family photos as reference as well as family letters.
1: You know, uh it's just. I, I think it's something that us as as human beings. I think we can relate to a sense of loss, a sense of uh, sort of, you know, what we no longer have, and maybe searching for that. I think this is such a powerful uh, concept that that um, these photographs are are just truly. Beautiful in a sense, and heartbreaking at the same at the same time. Um, to give you a little bit more information about Kiki, uh, she is a DACA recipient a daughter of undocumented parents and a practicing artist. She researched the themes inside the immigrant experience, and I, I love this idea of ghost as a metaphor for the complexities and segments found therein. The ghosts of our younger selves, our past homes, memories, those who live invisibly in America, and those we have lost during our passage to the American dream. Uh, through this, you focus on fragmented memories, disillusionment, absence, linguistic linguistics through text, and familiar mementos. Um, Often in immigrant communities, we're taught to keep everything ephemera to collect into archive. Now, Kiki is a visual living artist, uh, Mexican visual living artist working here in Kansas City. She received her Bachelor of Fine Art and Sculpture from the Kansas City Art Institute. And most recently, Kiki has exhibited at MDW Fair at Mana Contemporary Chicago, Illinois, in our art space, Kansas City, Missouri, Gal- Galleria of Venenois, uh Mexico City, Mexico, the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art here in Kansas City, and was a recipient of a two term residency at Charlotte Street Studio Residency Program from. 2018 to 2020. In addition, Kiki's work is included in local private collections, including that of the Kansas City Museum. Uh, I I know you've done so much in a short amount of time. Uh, How long did it did it take you to to come up with this concept or was it always sort of ongoing and then it just kind of uh, manifests itself in this context with the photographs and letters?
2: I think um, just it, my work has consistently, it's it's been one narrative, really. Yeah. Um, and that narrative, I would say, has different branches that, you know, start to kind of come out of it. And this specific concept of ghost has been something that has kind of been in in the rearview mirror of a lot of my work. I have didn't really know how to talk about this idea without it. I didn't want it to sound like very specific as it goes. So I was really trying to just work through my practice. And then I felt like within, since October really, I, I was really doing some readings and kind of spending more time with like the letters itself that um, these specific letters that my parents were writing to each other when my dad was um, here in the United States, my mom was in Mexico with me. So I spent a lot of time reading them. And during that time, I found a specific quote from my mom. My mom's a great writer and so, a lot of her letters, um, I think there was a lot of hope tied to them, but at the same time, they're very romanticized. You know, there's this kind of feeling of hope and and, and longing, mm-hmm. but there's this specific quote that she had in there, and it was um que no me convertido en un fantasma para ti?" which translates to "Have I yet become a, a ghost to you?" And I was already working with this concept, and so when I read that, I really I was like, oh, like the stars aligned, like. In this specific moment there was also um you know a a little tone of of i felt like i was being voyeuristic in a way like i was reading these letters that were private that shouldn't have really been seen by anyone else's eyes but for me it was very important to be able to fill in these gaps between the letters that my parents wrote And, and that really that's what those letters did was fill in that puzzle piece that i felt like i had been missing and so once i read that quote i was like this, this is what I need to focus on right now. And so since then, I've been working through that idea. And, and there's multiple instances where my parents kind of allude to this idea of the ghost. That one is the most specific um, quote that it mentions, that, that word even. But the other ones are kind of talking about them feeling invisible, feeling like they're in a limbo. And so there's so many commonalities um, that I feel even... Are similar in in the situation we are in now and and even as an immigrant like a lot of those things that I read I felt very much part of that that same linear narrative.
1: Well I know these these are have a personal sort of uh, attachment to you what will viewers see when they walk into the the gallery what do you hope for them to gain uh, looking at your work?
2: So when you come into the gallery space, uh, you'll see a lot of what I like to call familiar images. Um, You know, these are images referencing family photos. So the photos you would see in your family home, maybe a a photo that was taken from your phone of a photo that your grandma gave you. Um, And so they are kind of these gaps in memory. Um, They're also there's images that reflect celebration um so spending time with one another you know a family get together a party there's um an image that references saying goodbye Um, i'm using a specific person in my life uh, as that reference but at the same time i'm saying goodbye to uh, the the idea of coming of age like when you Mm -hmm. kind of see it all for once and so i'm kind of talking about you know these mundane objects. Uh, growing up in the 90s, you look at, you know, bonbon nail polish, you're looking at bows, like all these things. So I'm kind of saying goodbye to that aesthetic at the same time I'm saying goodbye to these people connected to these ideas. Um, and you'll see a lot of uh, references to absence. So you'll see cutouts of people. And in in the space of those people, their body, uh, what takes up the space is the letters. So you'll see text, Um, and I've been working a lot with text so you'll see text um, specific messages that I want to I want to show the idea of wishing someone was there Um, so I hope that when people walk up to that space and you know kind of get to spend time with the work I hope that there's intersectionalities that they can hopefully find themselves in I think that the immigrant experience you know it's very specific and even though there's many immigrants you know we all have our different backgrounds and our different connections our different stories but at the same time we intersect at different points and um we share a lot of commonalities and so i think that that to echo that i think is very important at the same time um for me when i'm talking about my work i i want people to 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 learn something to be able to feel something or, or go home and do more research about a, su- a subject. Maybe they don't understand. And I think even just something that I wanted to share was um, something that I work with in my work um, is the idea of not being able to say goodbye to somebody. So, you know, as an immigrant, you come to this country. A lot of times you don't realize when you're saying goodbye to somebody that that might be the last time you say bye to them. Um, and I remember being very young and coming here and, and my main idea and focus was going to Disneyland because that's kind of what the United States felt like back yeah. then. You know, this yeah. that was my American dream was like, coming to Disney World. Um, and so I remember telling my uncles and aunts and my grandparents, like, I'm going to bring you like a, a Goofy. I'm going to bring you a Daisy Duck. And, and that was my goodbye to them. Um, and you know, as an adult now, like uh, there's been several people in my family who have passed away, and I didn't have the chance to be there and hold their hand and hug them. My grandpa, uh, my my favorite aunt, who I was very close to, um, and so I felt like that's something that you know is some it's it's a it's a different type of pain to not be able to say goodbye. Uh, during the time of COVID, I had seen a lot of people were posting about that, like not being able to say bye to someone when they were in yeah. the hospital. And so I remember thinking, like, I absolutely know what that pain feels like because I've been in that situation, you know, in, in a different way and in, in a way where you can't even walk up to the street that they're in and, and look into a window. Like, and so I hope that the narrative that I'm putting forth can be, one, to share commonalities, uh, two, to bring further education, hope that people can kind of think about these topics, um, especially when there there is – you know, the privilege to be able to remove yourself from specific situations. There's also a lack of, of education tied to it, like people not wanting to to educate themselves on certain topics. So I hope that even though they're seeing this work, they're seeing these feelings that are all very, um, I think that they're all very relatable, regardless of who you are, where you come from, what your back background is. Um, you know, you're dealing with the idea of loss, goodbyes, you're dealing with fragmented memories, um, even just dealing with feeling like you're not part of some space like you're kind of floating in that limbo uh, having to say goodbye to people you know specifically but those things are all very shared. and so I think that if people can kind of just get an insight into that and specifically from from the lens that I'm sharing it that's that's what I that's the impact I hope to have through my work.
1: you know I, I love everything that you said and and I hope that that the work reaches people that have already formed an idea of what immigration is mm-hmm. and who are the immigrants. Um, I hope it it conjures a, a conversation between the viewer and maybe others around them. Uh, also, in, in your work, you know, a, as you mentioned, it, it's very uh, the yearning, the longing, the loss, and all that. Is this also somewhat of a, uh, a tribute to the people that you have not been able to say goodbye to? Is it a tribute to the places where you once were and, and the people that you were surrounded? Yeah, with?
2: yeah, absolutely. I I think that um, for me, it's, it's a tribute. It's a way to honor um, these spaces. Uh, even just talking about like the idea of homes. I talk about homes existing as a ghost and the pattern of being an immigrant and having to move around and, and live in different places. And so you're leaving ghosts of yourself in those homes um, and people move in and, you know, they don't know the the history tied to that space. But um, it is a tribute to those homes. It's a tribute to people that I haven't been able to say bye to. Um, it's a tribute to younger versions of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot about, you know, being um, submerged in, in the the ignorance and of of being a child and just seeing things from a different perspective and growing up and kind of having that shattered and, and having to kind of have this conversation with your past self about you know where you are now and so I think at the same time it's a tribute to that past I think for me it makes so much sense in my practice to be able to have those conversations through my practice because it, it helps me now, and, and I'm sure it'll do something or move something from me in the future. Um, and I think that the other thing too that I I would say is, at the same time, it it does cause for me a lot of um, it lifts certain weights off off my you know shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, and even within my family dynamic, we are we have been able to have conversations that I think maybe would have not been as easy to have if it hadn't been through through work I think that you know art kind of opens up the space more comfortably for people to be able to begin those conversations and so for me that in itself has been a, a tribute to you know a, a family that maybe wasn't as close at some point and now you know we're closer
1: I love that you know we're going to take a real quick break from Artspeak Radio and then we'll We'll be back with Kiki Serna and Cesar Lopez.
3: Support for KKFI comes from the White Theater at the J. Presenting the prom from January 27th to February 18th, winner of the Drama Desk Award for Best Musical, the prom captures the humor and heart of musical comedy with the message that resonates with audiences. For more information, go to thewhitetheater.org or call the box at 913-327-8054.
4: Coming up Thursday, February 15th at 7 p.m. on the People Power Hour brought to you by KC Tenants, we will continue talking about the Tenant Right to Counsel Program. The Right to Counsel Program provides legal counsel to Kansas City tenants facing eviction. Our guest will be Brian Larios, UMKC School of Law Adjunct Clinical Professor and Managing Attorney for the Tenant Assistance Initiative, do not go to eviction court without an attorney. You will lose. Tune in to the People Power Hour, brought to you by Casey Tenants on February 15th at 7 p.m.
1: We're back. This is Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez boyd Happy Valentine's, everyone, and uh, happy Chiefs Day, right? I guess the big parade's uh, going on soon. You know, um, we're so fortunate, uh, seriously, to have... Our beloved Kiki Serna and Caesar Lopez here in the station, uh, in the studio live. We're talking about Kiki's work Fantasmus, and that's currently featured at United Colors, which is a contemporary art gallery in Kansas, Kansas City, located at 611 North Sixth Street, Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, now the program presents a diversity of voices and mediums. The exhibition schedule resembles that of a of, uh, I don't know what that word is. Koonsala. Oh, thank you. Allowing for no longer, allowing for longer shows and opportunity for programming to engage the public. Thank you, that was Cesar Lopez. And you brought us Kiki's work to, uh, to the gallery, right? That's correct. And this was uh, formerly, if people are uh, trying to locate this uh, gallery, formerly Curiouser at KC, uh, Casey. Um, again in Kansas City, Kansas, what was it about Kiki's work that you said I, I need to have this on our walls? I need to have her work up uh, for uh, for as long as it will be there.
4: <laughs> you know, uh, maybe to start off with. Thank you for having us today, sure, and sure. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Now, I I believe that as also someone who emigrated to America, it is very easy for me to recognize the extreme value that this work has. It is it is so related to my experience. I mean, of course, different, but for that very reason, I can recognize and understand the value of this work and also have the capacity and opportunity to present the work to the best of my capacities. As someone who can empathize to the fullest degree with this experience, as someone who came here, I, I completely get it. I didn't need any excuse or any didactic to tell me what it was about. I understood it. I, I've, Kiki and I have known each other for, for some time now, And so it was a very easy choice
1: well and and if i could i would like to read a bit about you that you immigrated to the united states at a young age due to the daca program you're able to stay and work in the u.s Uh, in sculptures you keep the memory of the motherland alive various materials places and structures inform the sculpture that you design fabricate and construct the work uh, is drawn from a deep well to create surrogates for an internal state so there are some similarities, but, you know, what What I also can can say that with Kiki's work at the gallery, it will bring people in in to see not only the work, but then really to begin these discussions, these conversations about what they're looking about, what they're feeling, and how relatable the work is, right?
4: That's absolutely right. And so I think, again, to say more of the same, that me putting on this exhibition, it's very easy for me to recognize its value as an authentic voice or a voice similar to Kiki's. It's very easy for me to say, like, this is important because I know that it has a larger political value in the United States, but also recognizing that uh, because my experience is so similar that. Uh, I know that this can go under the radar, so it's well within, within my capacity to to present this work. And so, yeah, we're very excited to host it. There's about seven pieces and one large installation in the shipping container, and all those are available by appointment already if somebody wants to see it. And we will be doing our our, um, our reception this Friday.
1: You know, I, I do want to mention again: United Colors Gallery is unitedcoloriesgallery.com. dot
4: dot .Gallery.
1: Gallery. <laughs> <laughs> Did have my reading glasses. Uh, and, of course, if you want to share your website and social media. Yeah, of, of course.
4: course. So you can you can check out more information and follow us on Instagram. It's going to be at UnitedColors.Gallery, <laughs> which is the exact same. And uh, feel free to also check out a lot of updates from from Kiki's Instagram and Kiki's website and also mine, mm-hmm. which is LopezCesar.com. Yeah
2: and mine is k.serna, S-E-R-N-A-A. And we're gonna talk some more uh, about not only the work, but some other ongoing
1: projects and future projects. Uh, one thing that I wanna ask you before we shift over to uh, take two, um, are is there any other programming that's that's going along with Kiki's work? Are there any artist talks or, as you mentioned, a reception this Friday, What what uh, what do you, what can you tell us?
4: Yeah, so we're going to be doing a uh, an artist talk and a poetry reading on the third Friday in March, mm-hmm. uh, same time, 5 p.m., and we're hoping to invite a poet friend of Kiki's mm-hmm. whose work also is related to this particular topic in, mm-hmm. in concerns of the diaspora mm-hmm. at large. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to be really great, and mm-hmm. we're, we're excited to host him as well.
2: Yeah, it's um, I, it's my good friend, Aleje. Uh, we have both, we actually... Have known each other for a while, but recently we started to have similar conversations, and we we're like, we need to make something happen. And so, hopefully, this is going to be the, the first step to a larger conversation. But Alej is a very talented poet, and I, I, you know, I'm excited to just have more of that conversation tapping into.
1: You know, um, I, I do want to ask: Do people need to make reservations or say, you know, hey, I'm coming?
4: Yeah, if you'd like. Uh, so not for this Friday, right, because okay. we're hosting a public event. Mm-hmm. But if you'd like to come at any other time, uh, you can shoot us an email or you can also DM us as well. And the email address is going to be info at uh, unitedcolors.gallery. But you can find that on the website and you can just let us know. I want to come by at this time and okay. we're we're pretty open to accommodate.
1: Mm-hmm. OK, and you're in the Strawberry Hill sort of neighborhood, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. Because there's. I mean, there's such a uh, renaissance, I think, occurring there in um, Strawberry Hill. So it's 611 North 6th Street. You know, uh, we're going to take a quick break with Take Two, and then we're going to be back with Cesar and Kiki.
3: Hi, I'm Russ Simmons.
0: And I'm Susan Sanders.
3: And this is Take Two, two takes of a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. Take the basic premise of Freaky Friday and apply it to a whole family and you've got the Netflix comedy Family Switch. Jennifer Garner and Ed Helms lead the cast in the story of a family whose members switch bodies during an astrological anomaly.
0: I decided to watch this film because Jennifer Garner plays the wife and mother. Rita Marino has a cameo role as a gypsy astrologer. The plot? An estranged family living together have no understanding or regard for one another. The gypsy astrologer sees the problem and casts a spell. The mother becomes the teen daughter, and vice versa. The father becomes the teen son, and vice versa. The baby becomes the pet doggy, and vice versa. And this is the big switch. There are mildly amusing situations that ensue especially seeing the little baby and the little doggy switch places. It was funny.
3: It's harmless enough, but Family Switch is about a half hour too long to sustain its frothy spirit.
0: I was surprised that Jennifer Garner starred in this movie. It was like a waste of her acting abilities.
3: Maybe she took it because it's somewhat reminiscent of her 2004 hit, 13 Going on 30, about a young girl transformed overnight into the body of an adult. Now, if you're looking for a likable Jennifer Garner comedy, seek that one out. It's also available for Netflix subscribers, or it can be streamed on a number of pay-per-view platforms. As for Family Switch, I think the makers of Freaky Friday could have considered a plagiarism suit. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is take two.
1: Maria Vasquez Boyd here on Artspeak Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rose, Tony, Elizabeth, Teresa. Oh my gosh, so many people tuned in. Um, John Todd, the radio god, is also listening. Thanks so much for joining us today with Cesar Lopez and Kiki Cerna. Just really wonderful talking to them both for this entire hour because this this work is beautiful and it's heartbreaking. It's it's wonderful. It's uh, i think provocative in that it 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 encourages d- discussions about you know that about loss and memory and and all of that and immigration right
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yep Did you uh, want to yeah <laughs>
2: sure i uh, wanted to share a little bit more just to go yeah. into um you asked me earlier like to share kind of like a visual image of like what the gallery space looks like um I, w- I didn't get to touch on this but there's also the shipping container where you know i will also be having artwork in there is an installation um and, and inside you can walk into it it's an installation video based piece i will be having a video projection um of a video that i made Uh, Aside from doing collage and drawing, I'm someone who has historically really been attracted to performance art. And actually, as an undergrad, I uh, most of my undergrad career, I did performance work. Um, I remember kind of having this uh, one specific moment where I I was specifically in sculpture. And I remember thinking, am I putting a bunch of objects just into the world? And, And I remember kind of battling a little bit with that. And I was like, well, I want to do something more. And I feel like I could find different mediums to kind of share the work that I that I want to talk about. So one of my teachers actually introduced me to a, an amazing mentor, Jessica Borowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jessica was the one who really mentored me in my performance practice. I remember the first time I did a performance and feeling so you know, energized. Um, it was very cathartic at the same time. And I had a lot of even adrenaline tied to that. And so since then, I was hooked on performance. Um, and so I, I would say that this video that you'll see in that space is a is a a branch of that performance work. I, I view it as, you know, people could call it, I, I have, I've had people say like, oh, it's a short film. But um, for me, it's really a performance piece. It's just filmed. Um, and through my video work, I've really found myself enjoying uh, the similarities between that and like collage work as well as drawing because it's, it's quiet work you spend time with it it's meditative in a lot of ways i specifically work with uh, repetition um, spoken word uh, and then using uh, borrowing images from my family as well so i think all of it really fits very well together and then to the in part of the container there's also going to be two pieces hung uh, so there are larger prints of these photos and hanging above them, there's vellum pieces that have text on it as well. So you can kind of get an idea of the visual space and how that will look with that installation in there. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to just touch on that subject as well, because I think that in my practice, um, you know, the narratives that I'm sharing exist through multiple materials. And for me, a lot of times it's just kind of finding the material that, you know, would make a better impact with, with the work that I want to share.
1: You know, and and I do want to mention that this work is up through March 31st mm-hmm. um, at, yeah, the United Colors Gallery. Uh, you know, Kiki, I, I want to also ask if you have any performance artists that you are inspired by.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, a quite a bit of <laughs> performance artists that I am inspired by. Specifically, I think one artist that has followed my practice, probably since I first found out about them, sophomore at KCAI, uh, is Ana Mendieta. Um, Ana Mendieta's work was very um, impactful to me when I first saw it. I remember seeing um, you know, a Latina artist being presented in, in, in her, with her own will and presenting these stories of pain um, and the body tied to the spaces that we live in, the earth, uh, her, her, her work just kind of amplified a lot of the, the work that I was trying to put out and a lot of the conversations. And specifically during that time, I remember there was not a lot of diversity in the space that I was in. And so it was very hard to kind of navigate critiques and and to navigate mm. These conversations surrounding my artwork, besides um, the surface level, you know, conversations and 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 critique parts that would kind of come from that, but seeing her work kind of just gave me this um, this mirror of of this is this is what I've been trying to say, and so I remember studying her work a lot. Um, but she's really been someone who I've kind of referenced in in some pieces and. Even her writings, her sketches, I think, are so beautiful. Uh, I actually got to see some of her sketches at Crystal Bridges about, I think it was two years ago. Um, And they're very, very quiet pieces. Uh, Mm. You you can tell they're very meditative. Mm -hmm. She uses a lot of repetition with her line drawings. um, And even just like shapes and and really referencing the the female body as well. Uh, And Mother mother Nature in a way. Oh, wow. So her work for sure. um, I do want to say along with the performance work that I do and the video work that I do, I've been influenced a lot by specific uh, film, films specifically, but Satoshi Kon is a great filmmaker that has influenced my work. Uh, when I first saw his pieces, I was really interested in how he manipulated um, the idea of the, the storyteller and how a story based on you know trauma you may not be able to see the narrator as someone who is telling the story in the most factual way. They're not a reliable narrator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking about that idea and kind of thinking about it in relationship to the work that I talk about and and the stories that I tell. Um, Specifically, it tied to memory and memory not being a, a reliable narrator when it's undergone forms of trauma or pain or loss. Or just when your body is just trying to protect yourself and, you know, your mind is trying to protect yourself. So his work really uh, inspired me to kind of just like think about the the process that I'm doing and, and the materials that I'm using and how to manipulate that and how to even present a narrative to a viewer uh, and how you're presenting it as well. Like, is this a, a reliable mm-hmm. story? If you're the one telling it, you know, first person, or is it going to be more reliable when you're having these fragments from different people, these, you know, these um, stories being told by your mom, by your dad, by by your grandma, where you're retrieving imagery or collecting text. So that's something that I've kind of like worked around um, and I've always kind of thought about how that looks like as an installation artist and as someone who does, a, you know, larger scale drawings and collages as well.
1: You know, I, I love that you're taking it all in. I mean, you're, you're seeing so much and really, you know, being selective in terms of what, what value certain things bring to, to you and to your work. And I, I think that's really important for artists, mm-hmm. you know, to have that wide, that broad vision Um, we're all better people for it because of (laughs) your work. You know, we're going to be right back. I've got a couple of underwriting messages, and we're going to be right back. Support for KKFI provided by the Kansas City Repertory Theater, presenting the play Nina Simone, Four Women, with performances from February 13th through March 3rd at their downtown Copaiken stage. Audiences can experience the journey of Nina Simone's iconic music, and the stories of four extraordinary women in Nina Simone, Four Women, a play featuring
0: Nina's music performed live. More information and tickets are available at kcrep.org. Former Honduras President Juan Orlando Hernandez goes on trial this month in New York for drug trafficking. Honduran workers faced repression, corruption, and forced migration during his reign. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll ask whether the U.S. and Canada should be held accountable for supporting him. Then, we'll talk to journalist Hamilton Nolan about his new book, The Hammer, Power, Inequality, and Struggle for the Soul of Labor. He thinks organized labor could change the economic and social course of American life, but it needs to get out of its own way. Thursday at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m.
1: We're Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd, here every Wednesday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., our new time slot. We're happy to have you aboard. Cesar Lopez and Kiki Cerna are here live in the studio. Thank you both so much for coming in today. Because, you know, I, I think... Art is such an important topic, and art is, is you know, I, I don't know if people always realize how much art, you know, uh, we we take in in our lives, our daily lives, whether it's music, television, performance, uh, looking at 3D or 2D uh, work in a gallery. I mean, it's just, it, it's out there. Um, and we're so happy to have you here. You know, I, I want to switch uh, a little bit to Caesar and, and remind people that he was received his Bachelor of Fine Art from the Kansas City Art Institute. He has exhibited at Gallery Bogart, Kansas City, uh, the Charlotte Street Foundation, Kansas City, and MDW Fair at Mana Contemporary Chicago, The Front in New Orleans uh, uh, Galleria, Galleria, Venenoise. Yes, And Mexico City, Mexico, and the Nelson Atkins Museum, Kansas City, Missouri. So not only are you a curator and, and gallery owner and all that, you yourself are an artist, uh, um sculptor, right?
4: That's right, that's right. And so, you know, it they're not all that all that separate. Yeah. I, ultimately, I'm, I'm really invested in the arts, but really I'm invested in people and artists hanging around other artists, and ultimately you find out like, hey, I could put together an exhibition. In this particular instance with Kiki, as I said at the, at the top of the hour, it was very easy for me to say, like, I know why this work is important. I immediately recognize it, both as someone who studies the arts as a whole, all across the United States, and try to understand the the, the state of affairs of the diaspora, but also like when I read about things, I see why this is relevant. I also think about that for all of the other artists that we work with and all of the upcoming shows that we have later this year. But that's right, it's, it's, all, it's all one thing for me.
1: Do you find that, um, I, I know uh, given both of you, your background, do you also feel that there's a sense of activism in, in your work and in your individual works?
2: Um, Yeah, I I think that I I really do think specifically as a by POC, you know, communities, anytime you're putting out work, it's always going to be tied to to that space, to that realm. Um, Now, whether you want to, you know, go deep into it, whether you want to do it through shows, whether you want to do it through conversations, I think that all of it in itself is is a form of activism and and i think it's a very valuable thing to have because you're able to to also have your your free will with it how you want to approach that and how you want to put it out into the world um and how you want to share it with the world
4: yeah you know i think that's a really interesting question i would probably not use that word but i know Mm -hmm. how you mean i i personally feel like it is the state of affairs in arts as a whole. I think all across the contemporary art scene, these questions are being asked. But I think some of the politics that are around our legal status, just between Kiki and I, some of those things are not things we choose, but things that are put on us. And I think Mm -hmm. by default, I would not categorize what I do under that umbrella, but I Mm -hmm. know how Mm -hmm. you mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I agree. Mm -hmm. And I think it warrants a larger, longer conversation, but that's right. I Mm -hmm. think it's as long as we're discussing things, we can call it whatever we want, but I think it's a really interesting and important topic to to focus on.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I also want to mention to our, our listeners that not only are you prolific, both uh, prolific artists and sculptors and, and performance artists and, and all that, uh, you're also currently featured at A Layered Presence and uh, at the Nelson-Atkins Museum. Do you want to talk a bit about your work there?
2: Yeah, go ahead. Um, So, yeah, like at the at a layered presence, um, you know, I want to go ahead and invite everybody to come out and see it. It's up for the rest of the year. um, And it's been a great experience to be able to kind of just get to know these artists. Um, It's 22 artists, right? That's what Mm -hmm. I thought, 22. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all have different perspectives over over their their own experience in the Latinx space. Um, Specifically, my piece uh, is a video piece Uh, in it. You can see. You know, similar to what we've talked about, uh, talking about fragmented memories, um, I'm talking a lot about the idea of the home and what the home means. Uh, I think for me, in my own narrative, I've always kind of seen myself as a younger adult looking into the idea of wanting to have a concrete home. And so I think that, you know, that that is echoed through the immigrant experience for me coming to this country, uh, leaving my homeland, uh, settling in a very white area and trying to find my community, which I didn't find there, uh, finding it in college and then kind of just trying to find my footing on that ground. And so you'll see references to the home. Uh, I start to reference the idea of the ghost in that video as well, where I'm linking the ghost to memories linking it to homes like linking it to uh spaces that no longer have your your presence in them and i'm also working a lot with collaging um family you know family figures uh and even you know self-portraits in a way as well uh you'll also hear audio connected to the video so i, I invite people if you are in that exhibit you know definitely go more than once. Uh, go take your take your time, spend time in that space. Go on a Thursday where it's not as busy. Thursday at five, six, seven o'clock is the best <laughs> time to go. <laughs> go and, and really, really spend time with each piece. Um, and I think that specifically I, I find it, you know, to be very very valuable to be able to have a local artists in, in that space, local artists who are alive and living and, and working. And uh, and so just supporting each artist and spending time with the work, my work in itself, I I would like for people to see it multiple times and just to sit and listen. It it is on a loop. So if you, you know, take your time to, to hear it, you'll hear the whole the wholeness of it. So I really invite everyone to come out and see this show. I think it's it's a great opportunity to to learn about local artists who are making work and and to find those commonalities as well.
1: You know, and, and I do want to mention that the museum is closed. Nelson is closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so don't go there today. But uh, it's at 45th and Oak. I think what, what I'm uh, really thrilled about the, the work as a whole is that I think it dispels any sort of myth that one may have about Latino art. And number one is that it's not all just Mexican art. I think people mm-hmm. expect a, a group show of Mexican artists. Well, it's Latinos. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about more than, you know, the, the country of Mexico. Yeah. And Cesar, let's talk about your work there in, in the in a layered presence.
4: Yeah, of course. Now, the what you'll see at the layered presence uh, from my end, along with the 22 other artists, is a um, a wall sculpture. And this is a what I call a sequence, which is a series of forms that are repeated, five of them stacked on top of each other on the wall. If you look at it, it looks like, like a spine, or it looks like a set of ribs. And what I've been working on in my studio is trying to expand and create a really wide vocabulary of shapes and forms so that I'm utilizing it as a way to think through and think about similar to Kiki, the immigrant experience, but on my end in my studio practice, I I think with this idea, this thesis of opacity, which asks a creator, asks an artist to consider that you don't actually have to show or reveal a hundred percent of your story. I, a matter of fact, maybe again, to echo some of the things that we talked about with Kiki today, as someone who was in the United States, you're not always ready to reveal who you are for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Let's leave it at that. But what I'm really saying is that when you see this sculpture, you're going to see an object which resists your reading, resists a, your eyes in such a way that it's reflective. You, you can't look into it, although it is hollow. But when you look inside, it's also reflective. And so it's almost defensive in a way, like a suit of armor or a mm. shield. So think about how objects don't always have a lot of legibility on them. If you look at like a very special and unique, I don't know, like your grandmother's something or other, like you know what it is because you're, you're so familiar with it. But a, a, an opaque object is something that resists your reading, that you don't even know what it is and for some people they would just like move along past it and that's fine i get it but ultimately thinking through this idea it lets someone like kiki and i consider how much do you want to reveal it's not necessarily uh no i won't reveal but it's a dial that you can turn uh, depending on your environment or depending on what you're doing and Mm -hmm. i think that that idea has been really valuable to me
1: yeah it's fascinating Mm -hmm. it's fascinating how big in what materials and what color is, is the structure?
4: Yeah, so it's, it's aluminum, it's polished aluminum and it's mostly aluminum and it's held together with 3D printed parts and hardware. And one of the reasons why I do this and choose these materials is because they do not utilize or reveal your hand. Traditionally, a painting is gonna show your hand. A matter of fact, it's actually how you know that a, a piece of art is genuine or it's made by this person or that person. So I purposefully choose to not use materials that are going to reveal my hand, even to the point where we cleaned it right before it was delivered. Uh, I had to remove all of my fingerprints. Now maybe to, to tie it back to this, um, the idea of being a member of the diaspora or an immigrant, When we have to go, Kiki and I have Mm -hmm. to go get our papers done every two years, Mm -hmm. we have to go do something called biometrics, Mm -hmm. which means we go get our fingerprints done. I'm going to tell you all something that I do. (laughs) I sand my (laughs) fingerprints before I go. I'm telling you, this idea of opacity lets you know, like, where and when and how do you wish to reveal yourself? And that's a really difficult and important and difficult question to ask of yourself in your time now in America when and where and how will you review yourself and what are the consequences of that?
1: It occurs to me that Mm -hmm. you're really, this approach is very specter-like, ghost-like. It's like this remnant of what was once, you
4: know? That's right, that's right. And I think that when we we think about that, it's something that we all have in common. When I say we, I mean individuals who have come here looking for a different life because you you leave something behind, yeah. and and yeah. that look, and but that's not just us. I think that's anyone who's ever lost yeah. a loved one or you've yeah. lost oh, something. absolutely, sure. A- and I think that it's especially potent due to what's happening in the world at large. Look mm-hmm. at larger political patterns and larger immigration patterns that are happening. Yeah. And I think that this is only going to become a more and more common conversation yeah. point.
1: Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the work itself, I, I've seen your work and I've seen, of course, the work in, in uh, the Nelson. What occurs to me is that, well, first of all, I, I want to lift it, I want to hold it. I want, there's something ab- about your work that just makes me want to touch it and hold it, seriously. Mm-hmm. And then I realize, well, if it's aluminum, it's going to be very lightweight. So it's very, uh, it fools, I think, the viewer and, yeah. and that in that way because the sense of weight is not Mm. what you think
4: it is. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting about that is that the forms are actually held together. If you look really carefully, all five forms are held together on the wall by a single screw. And so, what I've designed is something on a hinge, which sits, and I wish I could, I know we're on radio, (laughs) but I wish I could show you. But it's something that sits on a point and then its own weight drapes down onto it. So it is exerting its weight onto it. And I think that's important as this sort of like limp, soft, I mean, of course it's metal, but Mm -hmm. something which implies its weight, which something which implies its value of form.
1: But it also is is, doesn't it parallel who you are? that you're here and this is your weight and this is where you've landed and this mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and
4: and so the, all these qualities yeah. in, in, the, in the both across our works and may I remind our audience that you're also in that show, right? Yeah, Minding, <laughs> Minding that all these qualities in our works are essentially how we can come to communicate and mm-hmm. articulate who we are and what yeah. we're about.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. You know as we uh, wind up the hour, we, we still have a few minutes and, and all that and it really goes by quickly. I wish mm-hmm. we had another hour to, <laughs> to spend with each of you. Would you share with us any upcoming programs, collaborations, partnerships, exhibitions, or, or anything? I know you mentioned this Friday mm-hmm. uh, the opening recept- or the another reception, but yeah, if you would share mm-hmm. with us.
2: So um, as of October, I became a full-time artist. I left my work at Matty Rhodes, uh, being there for six years. Uh, so I've been in the studio trying to line up different things, and for the upcoming future, I definitely, I think my primary goal is going to grad school. I uh, that is something that I have my eyes and mind set on, and I, I've been, uh, it's been there for a long time. I'm finally giving myself that opportunity to to follow that path Um, so definitely that's something to keep you know in mind Uh, and then upcoming of course come to United Colors for this Friday we invite everyone to come and join us there's going to be great conversation great work I'll be there so if you have any questions about my practice or my specific work you want to support a gallery and an artist we'll both be there um, can talk to us take a chance to to see see what we're doing Uh, And it'll be up through the end of March. So if you don't have that time, you know, as Caesar said, go ahead and and DM. um, Come through. It'll be up there. And then, um, so, yeah, just follow that show, I would say, to a layered presence, reminding people to go out. I know that the marketing on it has slowed down for a little bit. Possibly there's other shows happening in the space. But just reminding everyone to come out and, and look at what you know, what's in store in that specific show and, and just come out and support the, the work and the artists that is happening in that space. Um, and then yeah, I think that's that's what I have to share as of now. And your mm-hmm.
1: website and social yes, media platforms.
2: For sure. So you can follow me on Instagram, K period Serna, S-E-R-N-A-A, or you can go to my website, www.kikiserna, dot Serna, K-I-K-I-S-E-R-N-A.com you can look at images of my work. Uh, it's updated. I'm gonna be updating again soon, <laughs> okay, so it'll okay. have a nice glow up. But you know, <laughs> you know, send me a, a DM. Uh, I'm also in my studio at Agnes. Love being there. Have gotten to know the good, community good. The, there really well, and it's offered me the time and space to continue my practice and to fully develop it as a full time artist. Um, and so yeah, if even studio visits, I'm something that I'm trying to get back to doing now that I've had a couple of things, you know, done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, studio visits, anything like that, reach out. Um, I'm here. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah.
3: Susan. That's
4: really wonderful. So yeah, of course, <laughs> as you know, join us this Friday, if you can, we're also, we'll be having our next exhibition, uh, with a, with a, uh, a collection of art by a local collector. So what we'll be putting together is an exhibition, which, um, uh, a, it's called the 5M collection, and I'd love to bring him by so someone like that can speak further on the works that they've collected. But what's really exciting and wonderful about that is when you meet a collector, they have other works of art that I would typically not have access to. And I think that's really oh, yeah. interesting, yeah. both as yeah. uh, as an artist who wants to learn, mm-hmm. you know, from other sculpture, but also just knowing what what um, what's out there. And I think mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. amazing to have all these works of art available to us locally that are not in a museum. They're not access. They're not accessible yeah. Yeah. to the public, but we mm-hmm. were gonna do that, and I'm really excited to be able to do that that's and to awesome. and to bring more and more works of art to the city. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love that social media platform. Oh yes,
4: uh, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Uh, that's gonna be Young Bauhaus, and you can also check out the website LopezCesar.com. <laughs> and uh, definitely come by check it out. My studio is at Wholesome in the West Bottoms, and. We, I'm sure we will be having our open studio sometime this spring. Good, And good, it's good. five yes. floors of Artist Studios, and it's very exciting. It yeah.
1: is. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for thank joining you. us today, spending time with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a, a, a treasure, uh, I think, not only for me but for our thank listeners. So thank you so much. And you'll thank be back you. soon anytime, yes? Yes, yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Excellent. You know, next week uh, we will be featuring Christopher Leach and Elizabeth Kirsch. Uh, join us next week uh, February 21st. Stay tuned for Wednesday Midday Medley with my beloved friend Mark Manning. Thank you so much for listening and honey I'm coming home. <laughs> Thank you.